This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You hear the old lion's roar. That means it's time for us to come on in and get to it. It is BetQLU putting a bow on a season of college football. I don't know how many people expected it to end that way, but it did. And we will talk about how it ended as well as a look back. It'll be like when you go down into the basement to look for, I don't know, maybe a a bin or a box to put the Christmas decorations in because hopefully you finally took them down. And instead, you find your old high school yearbook and you start going through the superlatives, right? Oh, look, there's Miss Congeniality. I remember her. And oh, look, there's Mr. Popularity. I remember him. We will have our own college football superlatives in just a couple of minutes here on BetQLU. And of course, we'll have a conversation that I think was a good one spurred by a big college football analyst earlier this week. And hoops, we got to start to turn the page to hoops, seriously, including the games that we are most hyped for this weekend specifically. I am Chris Mack, by the way. Welcome into BetQLU here on the BetQL Network, live coast to coast, wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. Guys, you know what? I feel, RJ, like you have been vindicated, my friend, because you warned (laughs) us about TCU. You warned us about TCU, and you warned us about TCU, and... Well, we'll get to the national championship game in just a moment. But let's start with the season as a whole. Besides, we should probably listen to RJ more than we did this year. What's the one thing that you take away from this season specifically? Kayla, let's start with you. Well, mine is this season and as it pertains to the playoff game a little bit. Since this is the last time I get to bring this up all season, I'm going to. You guys, (laughs) outside of Ohio State... Mizzou was the only team, SEC or other, who played Georgia the closest all season long. Almost beat them 26-22, and clearly I am never getting over it. That's my biggest takeaway all season. You have to ask the question, could we have played in the national championship? We'll never know. (laughs) No, no, no. No No one has to ask that question. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll tell you that much. There's always next Uh, I'm looking forward to, but man, do I wish we – would have um, beaten them, man, and been there, or at least, yeah, beaten them, been there one loss, and then we could have said we beat the national champs. Don't sleep on Mizzou next year is all I'm going to say. You heard it here first. That is called manifesting. All jokes aside, <laughs> you guys, I was at LAX on Tuesday for a quick trip, and it was full of TCU fans proudly wearing their team gear, and I just have to give them mad respect for that. Or as my dad pointed out, it's probably all they brought to wear, um, but that's a true <laughs> fan right there. That is. That's RJ. You you warned us all year about TCU. They're fans down to the very last one of the 70,000 living alumni uh, stuck it out to the very bitter end. 
But before we dive headlong into Monday night's abomination, um, the season as a whole, what do you take away from it? Oh, you mean outside of learning that Kayla danced at every stadium in bowl season? Um, I think the number yes. one thing that I took from, <laughs> from this season uh, is is that uh, we are back, baby. Tennessee is back. That's what I took for this season. It was the return. It was the return. Our glorious needed return. Uh, I also learned that I can have man crushes on Sam Hartman and be totally cool with it. Uh, I, learned, yeah. I learned that as well. Uh, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I'm going to continue going with that one. Uh, but, you know, I, I think one other thing is is the transfer portal has really changed college sports. Yeah, that's another thing that I learned. I mean, you've got – I know Stetson Bennett wasn't necessarily a transfer, uh, and Max Duggan wasn't a transfer. Uh, but you had you, the, the extra year of COVID allowing players to play at 24 and 25 years old at the quarterback position is such a huge advantage. We may never see it again because, you know, we're getting further and further away from that COVID-exempt year. Uh, but, you know, the transfer portal, I mean, it is it is rejuvenated teams. I mean, it has allowed a guy like Sonny Dykes to go into TCU uh, and, and make the natty in his first year. It's allowed, uh, you know, Josh Heupel to, you know, the, you know, become the number one team in the nation at one point in his second year. The transfer portal has changed the sport. I'm interested to see what it does for college hoops as we move forward. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. I mean, uh, it, it's – easier than ever to remake your team on the fly. You mentioned college hoops, which we'll spend a lot more time talking about moving forward here throughout the winter and early spring. It is, it's, it's easier than ever to completely remake a roster on the fly. Kayla, I give you credit. You are right. Nobody played Georgia closer in the regular season anyway Mm -hmm. than Mizzou. But the one thing I'm going to take away from this season is that I still think as much roster flexibility as there, as you might be able to find, in this day and age because of the COVID exempt year, because of the transfer portal and grad transfers. I still think what we learned this year is it's ultimately going to be an uphill battle for teams to break through to the championship level credit for TCU for getting there. Right. But then they got there and they got turned inside out. Certainly for the TCUs, the Washingtons, the Oregon States who I expect to have a, a big year next year and other up and comers. Uh, certainly for more modern powers like Oregon, Clemson, and even for Blue Bloods like uh, Southern Cal, Penn State, Texas. If you're not in the SEC or you can't knock off the two-headed monster atop the Big Ten, good luck winning the ultimate prize uh, because it is going to be an uphill battle for you. And I think that was reinforced more than ever this year. Maybe it changes once we get to the 12-team playoff in a couple of seasons, but I think 2024 will probably look a whole lot more like the last nine years. It'll be two, maybe three teams that we pick before the season starts because of their conference affiliation or their status, your Georgias, your Bamas, uh, teams like that. And then it'll be one, maybe two teams that surprise us and show up into the playoff. But for the most part, the four-team playoff has ensured that the balance of power remains in those places where traditionally it has remained for for decades now and I don't know I, I don't know if we'll see anything different in the four team uh the final year of the four team playoff but nonetheless here we are and and I don't think that takes anything away either guys from what Georgia did I don't want to pretend like oh they got there just because they were Georgia and they were the SEC champs they got there because they were the best team in football that much was obvious but 
as we start to transition toward the 12-team playoff a year after next, I guess my question now is, will it necessarily, in your opinions, lead to better title game outcomes, you know, or just more blowouts? I think in the nine college football playoff national championship games, we've had two that you would consider close. This was the biggest blowout of them all, which probably makes it recency bias that we're talking about it as much as we are. But we all like Cinderella runs, right? Until Cinderella gets to the ball and then the coach turns back into a pumpkin and everything becomes a disaster because you're TCU and it's, well, it's Georgia you're playing. So do you think more high stakes football, more playoff games in a couple of years will necessarily mean better high stakes games, RJ? Um, at the national championship and semifinal level, yes. That first round is going to be unwatchable. Like, could you imagine if Georgia played K-State or, like, you know, Washington or Utah? Like, that would be – it would be ugly. It would, you know, it would be ugly, you know. It would just – so and at the at the at the final four, I think the cream would matriculate its way. They would kind of snake their way. They'd figure out a way in a twelve-team playoff. You know, maybe if we had a twelve-team playoff this year, Alabama uh, gets into it along with Ohio State and Michigan or, mm-hmm. or or whoever, right? And then I think you got something. Uh, but those first-round games and 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 maybe even the second-round games, those are going to be tough to watch. Those would be really tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, we would have had some interesting matchups, I guess, like Tulane TCU in that first round. We would have had, we would have had a Big Ten rematch in Ohio State Penn State. You would have had Bama USC, uh, I believe. So you would have had some some really cool matchups. But there's always the possibility again that you're going to end up with blowouts um, when you're insistent upon digging as deep as twelve teams, and and one of those teams is always going to be the non-power five. Uh, the group of five representative Kayla does more high stakes football. And look, I'm all for expanding the playoff to 12 teams. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not. I tend to agree with RJ that it'll get us better high stakes football, but do we need to just understand that there's always going to be a blowout here and there and, and, and maybe not lean into too much what we saw between Georgia and TCU. I think certainly that's definitely a possibility. And my final thought on what we learned this season, I had at the end in closing the 12 team playoff can't come soon enough. Um, At least it's going to shut everyone up and give us more of an opportunity to really have, hopefully, the best two teams in the championship. I'm ready for it. I've seen enough with the four-team playoff. I'm ready to expand and see what that looks like. Cinderella runs are fun until you get your butt kicked 65-7. to So, yes, I would rather see, hopefully, the best two teams duke it out. And I think this um, this, this breakdown of the 12-team playoff will do just that, hopefully. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you guys that it's – look, I think all of us agree that the 12-team playoff is preferable to a four-team playoff, just the same way a four-team playoff was preferable to just choosing choosing the top two teams, and, and that was preferable to just letting the polls decide. Uh, all that being said, I'm sure eventually we'll get to a point where we'll be upset with the 12-team playoff, and we'll have a 16-team <laughs> playoff, and <No. laughs> who knows? It, it's – and, and it sounds like the N- if the NCAA has anything to do about basketball, we'll be looking at, who knows, 96 teams maybe in the basketball tournament in a few years. Um, 
these things will continue to grow because the bigger they get, the more money there is, the more money there is. Well, the, the happier the sponsors are and the happier the people who are making bank off of this are. Um, I just worry. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see it get too watered down. And, and, and again, I am all for the 12 team playoff and the expansion of the playoff. Uh, but I don't want to get to a point where we look back on the regular season or at any point of the regular season and say, eh, yeah, that was kind of useless. Why did we do that? It shouldn't happen in college football. We should be able, especially at the FBS level, for every game to still mean something. Maybe in some cases they just don't mean as much, uh, or you've got a better opportunity to bounce back from something. Uh, you know, look at Tennessee. Sure, maybe they might not have gone deep in a playoff had they made it because, well, they're without their injured quarterback. But in the case of teams like Alabama, who I think, you know, you put Alabama on a neutral field against Georgia – in a national championship game, it's hard not to argue we would have got a better product than we got Monday night with TCU out there, RJ. Yeah, look, I mean, and also, we just saw this this past week. You know, TCU just got, like, three Alabama players to transfer. Um, you know, and then they're, oh. they're, they're in line to get um, the LSU quarter, like Walker Howard. They're in line to get him, too. Like, well, they're mm-hmm. one of the favorites. The transfer portal is going to make it so I think there are more – good teams Alabama can't hoard everybody you know their backups 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 are going to transfer somewhere else because they want that NIL bag too uh and I can't I can't blame them for that you know and and I think that is going to spread the town out a little bit more but at the end of the day you still are going to have you know Georgia look it it took Kirby Smart six years to build this this didn't happen overnight uh but the transfer portal wasn't what it was and that COVID year changed so much for all these guys so I still think there's a wait and see on how good these these you know these, and how quickly uh, these teams can get better and how deep the top pool can be. You're still going to have your two or three, and then you're going to have a gap, and then you'll have four through eight, and then a gap, and then everybody else, right? And, and that's just the way it is. I mean, yeah, can the can can the fifth ranked team? Could the fifth ranked team? Could Alabama uh, or Ohio State or Tennessee or Clemson? in any game this year, beating Georgia at home, not in Athens, but on their home field. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they could have at home in Georgia, not happening. Neutral field probably right. wasn't going to happen. Georgia was the first team. Uh, real quick, uh, Kayla, your thoughts on, you know, we, we've spent a lot of this time talking about older players uh, because of the extra year, because the transfer portal uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth 25 year old quarterback. <laughs> uh, I heard people gushing over him during Monday night's game, and rightfully so. He played a fantastic. He saved his best game of the year for the national championship game. Um, is this a wave of the future where perhaps teams keep an eye out and look for guys who have maybe been through? Now, look in Stetson Bennett's case, it was a different story, but you know Russell Wilson was really the first of these kind of guys when he took his grad transfer year from uh, Wisconsin to NC State, or was it NC State to Wisconsin? Here nor there. He took advantage of his grad transfer year to really bust out. Are teams going to start to look for guys who they can, COVID year of eligibility uh, or not, who are more experienced and who they don't have to bring along and groom. They allow somebody else to do that for them and then have sort of a, a veteran moxie or a veteran savvy under center. Cough, Sam Hartman. Um, yeah, oh, I'm gonna sound. Yeah, I'm gonna sound yes. old when I say I this, cough. but I, 
between all of this, the the COVID year, the the transfers, the NIL, I think it's going to be the downfall of college football. I oh. I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. But I mean, I guess if yeah, if it works for your team, great. But I don't like it. This this from someone who had their top wide receiver poached though to go well mm-hmm. to the national yep. champions. So keep that in mind and send your Notre Dame gear to RJ Choppy care of BetQLU, <laughs> where we will get into 2022 college football superlatives, biggest surprises, biggest disappointments, best and worst of the year coming up next alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. It is BetQLU live coast to coast on the BetQL network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y, download it today. Not only can you listen to us live, you can rewind to anything you may have missed in the last 72 hours. You can download the podcast once the show is posted. So much you can do with the BetQLU network, or the BetQL network, pardon me, including, well, listening to BetQLU. Also watch the show, twitch.tv slash BetQL, and on YouTube as well, alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. I am Chris Mack. And, you know, with kids that are eh, a little bit younger, but just starting to figure some things out, I always worry that they're going to find that old stack of books in the spare bedroom closet that includes the old high school yearbook. And they're going to see the funny pictures of dad. And they're going to see the things that were written in there by my obnoxious friends. And they're going to want to go through all of it. And most of all, they're going to see the superlatives. And then we're going to start to talk about how I was, well, I was none of them. But that it, it, we'll have good stories to tell. It'll be fun, guys. Uh, we all have that high school yearbook hiding out somewhere. We all have the superlatives to go back over. And we thought, what better way to look back on the 2022 college football season than to search for some of our own. Let's start with a positive, a big positive. Who was the biggest surprise for you this year in college football? Uh, There are plenty of teams. There are plenty of individuals, plenty of moments. The biggest surprise for you in 2022, Kayla? I'm going with the obvious choice here. For me, it's got to be TCU and what they were able to accomplish this season. Obviously, the championship excluded, but they got there. Uh, this is a team who hadn't had a winning record since 2018. They went 5-7 and seven last year. I mean, that is quite a turnaround if I've ever seen one. Then to go 9-0 and in your conference, to bounce back from the Big 12 championship, and take down Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, just a really impressive season by Sonny Dykes, Max Duggan, and company. Uh, they get my biggest surprise of the season. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with TCU. Nobody had them, even the most ardent TCU fans, had them doing what they did this year. Um, you're right, though. It's, it sets them up, I think, for future success. RJ brought it up a few moments ago in the, in, in the previous segment. You know, they're attracting transfers now from other programs. This yeah. They may be able to sustain this. And in the Big 12, mm-hmm. it's a conference where if you can sustain some certain, some modicum of talent on your roster, you're going to be able to compete year after year. RJ, who was your biggest surprise in 2022? Well, I mean, I hate to, I hate to duplicate Kayla, but it is TCU. By the way, I do 
have my yearbook from my senior year of high school. Look at that. that. Look 19, at that. It was in the 1900s. I graduated high school <laughs> in the 1900s. That's amazing. It's crazy. Uh, you don't want to know what's in there. Uh, yeah, it is TCU. Uh, they're, they're the biggest surprise. I don't know how many of these categories won't involve TCU. Uh, they, oh. they, they, they surprised everybody. Uh, they exceeded expectations. They were supposed to be seventh in the conference. And they played like it in the national championship game, like they were seventh in the conference. Uh, you know, they 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 won. What was it? Six one score games this entire year. That doesn't hurt them. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen in, in, in well, football. And they did it. Uh, and they're the they're the they're the uh, the biggest surprise. Yeah, and I think it it leads one to wonder in the world of college football, where eh, maybe it doesn't mean as much as it used to years ago. But people do focus on uh, how impressive was your victory. Um, TCU had a lot of victories, to be quite honest, weren't the most impressive. They just got away by the skin of their teeth. Uh, And does that tell you that a team is really, really good? Or does that tell you that a team is not so good and just caught a lot of breaks? That's something that people will probably forever debate with this TCU team, including where they should be ranked. That's something we'll touch on in about 15 or 20 minutes here on BetQLU. For me, since you guys both already took TCU, uh, I'm going to go with Tulane. I I, I mean, they are the group of five representative in the New Year's Day six, uh, and they do so coming from absolutely the the absolute bottom. Started from the bottom like Drake, now they're here. And Tulane completely turned things around in one year. They've done it in what is... Uh, a pro sports town, but still geographically in the hotbed of the SEC, you know, an, an hour, hour and a half down the road from Baton Rouge, but in a Saints town, right? Uh, they, they've done it in one of those sort of uh, more modern college football stadiums, not a big 110-seat behemoth, one of those more right-sized stadiums in the group of five, right? Uh, they're never going to, I don't think anyway, be a perennial power, certainly not a power five power on a year-to-year basis. They are a, they are firmly entrenched as one of those group of five standard bearers now, though. And I think it's big for them that not only did they become that group of five representative in the New Year's Day six, but then they went and took on, you could call it Goliath, right? I mean, Southern Cal emptied their pockets this past year. They go out and get Lincoln Riley. They get Caleb Williams. They get Jordan Addison. They get so many guys in the transfer portal via NIL. They put together as much as you can an all-star team out in LA of all places. Glitz, glamour, USC. Uh, And they go to the Cotton Bowl, maybe because they didn't have much motivation at that point because they'd lost uh, in the Pac-12 championship game and were out of the playoff. They were bounced. But still, nonetheless, Tulane... Tulane takes him to school in the Cotton Bowl, Mm -hmm. and that's huge for Tulane, in my opinion, to do it to one of those blue bloods that I mentioned earlier. For me, yes, TCU is the biggest surprise, but I wanted to give a little bit of an honorable mention to Willie Fritz and the Tulane Green Wave. On to, and maybe TCU falls into this category for you guys as well, in some ways, based on the national championship game anyway. Maybe not. Biggest disappointment. There are plenty of spots where I think Teams came into the year, RJ, and we thought, oh, yeah, no way. That's not a, a top 10, top 15 team. Oh, ranked. Yeah, absolutely they'll be ranked. Uh, but plenty of spots where teams let us down in a big way. 
Uh, yeah, plenty of spots. And my TCU does not get my biggest disappointment for that title game at all. Uh, they, you know, they were just overmatched. That was that was nothing that was stunning to me. I don't know. My biggest disappointment is the fighting Texas Aggies of Texas A&M. Uh, except for that one dude. That one dude who possibly with his bare hands. That country dude down there in the middle of the stadium. He's much more of a man than I ever will be. And that's fine. I'm comfortable with that. But they are the biggest <laughs> disappointment. Jimbo Fisher doled out $30 million ish and he wound up losing to App State. And then they lost mm. six in a row. They lost to South mm. Carolina, which at the time, South Carolina couldn't get out of their own way. And they wind up beating, you know, some pretty decent teams down the stretch, two top te- uh, top ten teams down the stretch, keeping them out of the bottom four. But Texas A&M, for me, without question, is my di- biggest disappointment. This is a top five team to start the year, and they end the season with questions about their head coach and whether or not he is the right guy, and they just burned $100 million. Yeah, that's, you know, with as much as they're spending on Jimbo, as much as they spent on their uh, recruiting class this past year, you're right. It has to be a huge disappointment at A&M. And the only reason Jimbo's still around, I would imagine, in College Station is because of that enormous buyout. Kayla, who was the biggest disappointment for you this year? I agree with RJ. For me, it was between A&M and OU, but I think I'm going to go Oklahoma this season. That was shocking to me because of the powerhouse we're used to seeing from them. They took L's to K-State, TCU, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech, FSU in their bowl game. But I think the biggest shock of all came in that game against the Longhorns where they got shut out 49 to nothing, 49 to nothing. I don't even recognize the Sooners anymore. Um, I mean, yes, you could blame it on the coaching shakeup, the transfers, injuries, but Venables and company better get it turned around quick because the good people of Oklahoma don't have professional teams. The Sooners are their professional team. And that fan base, I guarantee you, is not going to stay patient for long. <laughs> no, that that's a great call. And we talked about Venables a couple times this year. I remember wondering, you know, when they might lose their patience. And if they don't get off to a hot start next year, especially in Big 12 play, he's in trouble. He might not last the year. Brett Venables in Norman. Uh, My biggest disappointment comes from, uh, I guess, not really my backyard, but Big Ten country, nonetheless, and it's Michigan State. We heard how Michigan State was going to be right there with Michigan and Ohio State. Many people expected them to be better than Penn State, be the third best team in the Big Ten East. They ended up fifth in the Big Ten East. They ended up three and six in conference, including losses to Maryland, who ended up finishing ahead of them, to Indiana, Yeah, and this isn't Michael Penix Jr., Indiana. This is just plain old Indiana. They beat Rutgers by six. They had one decent upset win, if you want to call it that, against Illinois on the road. But a four-game losing streak uh, just crushed them early on, and they were never able to recover to the point where you've got guys getting in massive brawls following the loss uh, against Michigan and uh, felony charges being brought against players for that skirmish that in some cases were dropped, but it was just a disaster. And for all they are paying, you talk about head coaches being overpaid perhaps and contracts that programs can't get out from underneath that Mel Tucker contract extension right now, if you're in East Lansing is a head scratcher and you wonder how much longer you're going to have to live with it. That is another team that if they do not bounce back early next year, especially early in big 10 play, there's going to be a lot of rumblings coming out of Michigan State 
and they will they will put together the money because they look they've gone through phases in East Lansing where they've been little brother to Ann Arbor. They don't want to put up with that for long. And certainly it's a really good Michigan program that they've built under Harbaugh, but who knows how long he's going to be there. And if there's an opening challenge for supremacy in the state of Michigan, then perhaps they ought to figure out if Mel Tucker is actually the guy to lead that challenge or not. My biggest disappointment, Michigan State. All right, back to the good stuff. And best freshman, I think, is an interesting thing to bring up because freshmen more than ever are seeing the field, guys. And so your best freshman in 2022, I know we all had our eyes on different freshmen throughout the season. Some of them went through ups and downs. Some of them stayed steady and were just just excellent all year. Kayla, I'll let you start us. I'm sticking with the SEC and going with Ole Miss running back Quinshawn Judkins. He was one of the best rushing freshmen in all of college football. He finished the season with 274 attempts, sitting at eighth, ran for over 1,500 yards at seventh, and had 16 touchdowns on the season, which tied him for 10th nationally. And he, too, is just getting started. His coach is staying put in Oxford, so look out next season. RJ, who you got for best freshman? You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quarterback guy. Uh, I love myself some quarterbacks. Let's go with EJ Warner uh, out of Temple. I will always side with the quarterback position. That is an impossible place to play. It's a possible place to win. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to recruit there if you're the head coach. So let's go with EJ. Uh, I am going to go with a freshman running back as well. I'll be a homer. I don't care. That's fine. I'll be that guy. Nicholas Singleton at Penn State, over 1,000 yards rushing, and he was just one half of the two-headed freshman monster at Penn State with Katron Allen, those two both coming back with their offensive line coming back mostly intact with Drew Aller coming in as the big stud of a quarterback who was able to see the field in a lot of games this year. Uh, Homer take, uh, Penn State's going to be really good next year, and a lot of it's going to be because of those freshman running backs. All right, let's, let's get one more superlative in here if we can. This is one that I know will be fun to talk about. I don't know. I think we might all have the same answer, but let's just let's float it out there. Best game. What was the best game you saw all season, RJ? Kidding <laughs> me? You were going to ask me this question? Uh, you were going to ask me this question? I mean, <laughs> Come on. It was, uh, it was not It was not Tennessee, South Carolina. I can, I can assure you of that <laughs> one. It, uh, it, was, it, was, it was the Bama game. It was Tennessee, Alabama. I, I don't know. that, that There's even a number two. That game put blew away everything else. It, it had such great ratings. It had the theater. It had the drama. It had a comeback from Alabama. That it had a comeback from Tennessee. And a last-second field goal with 15 seconds to go uh, for, a, for a quarterback to march his team in a field goal range. Uh, a little duck. A duck of a field goal. But, yeah, that was that was it, man. That, that was it. I'm getting chills I, again. I, I, I know. I know. And we knew what you were going to say, but we have to ask anyway, just to be yeah. fair. Kayla, what was your favorite game of the 2022 college football season? Okay. Well, first of all, Chris, no one's going to blame me for being a homer on this show. That's for sure. Um, that's, for me, you're it's right. got <laughs> to be, I'm yeah. Bama, Tennessee, no question. Thrilling ending, thrilling game, really the whole way through. It had everything, including the goalpost being taken down. That basically needed a GoFundMe to get another one. It was great. It's what college football, it's what we live for for college football. Had everything. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I hate that we're all in lockstep on this, but it's. I, I think it's just great evidence of the fact that it was easily the best game of the year in college football. Tennessee beating Bama 52-49. Are the goalposts still at the bottom of the river? I think that's a great question. Didn't half no. of them end up there? 
Where are they? Have yeah, they so, been reclaimed? Yeah, so no, they float. They float. Uh, what happens is, is that they, they throw them in the river. No, it's, no they throw them in the ocean. river, and then somebody goes and gets them, and then they cut them up. They cut them up, and they sell them online. That's pretty smart. That'll That's better than a GoFundMe right there, selling pieces of the yeah. goalpost. Absolutely. All right, uh, an interesting <laughs> question raised by a college football analyst this past week that we will float to each other in just a moment. Plus, the one college hoops game we're most hyped for this weekend. As we continue to roll on here alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy, I'm Chris Mack. You are listening to BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. It is BetQLU live coast to coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, and of course on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube as well. You can watch the show there alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I am Chris Mack. And we're kind of putting a button of sorts, a bow, whatever you want to call it, uh, on the 2022 college football season with Georgia claiming the national title on Monday night over TCU. Uh, And we will start to turn the page in earnest over the next few weeks to college hoops uh, because, yeah, I think we're only, I want to say like 57 days away from Selection Sunday. So before you know it, it'll be here. Uh, In just a moment, we tell you the college hoops games we're most looking forward to this weekend we'll get you our best bets of the weekend as well but i thought this was a great question posed by the excellent paul feinbaum hey paul uh who's the second best team in college football this year he tweeted out earlier this week we know who the best team was who was the second best team and so i went back and checked the results uh because you know most people just went ahead and voted TCU in as number two because they lost the national championship game in both the coaches poll and the AP poll. In fact, they were the lead out of, let me see here, 63 coaches, 51 said, yeah, TCU's number two. Out of 64 AP voters, uh, 48 voted for TCU. But you also had a handful here and there that weren't happy with the way they lost. Two different writers uh, or media members, I should say, Jack Ebling from WYSM-TV in East Lansing and Mike Berardino of Notre Dame Insider both had TCU fifth. And you also had three coaches who ranked TCU fifth. Jeff Halfley at BC, Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, and uh, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. So some people were clearly displeased with the way they lost and made them pay for it. Other teams getting votes in both the coaches and the AP polls for number two. Ohio State had most of them. Bama had the next most. Then you had Michigan. And Tennessee even got one vote for number two in the AP poll. So, RJ, who truly was the second best team in college football this year? Well, that was me that voted for Tennessee number two. Uh, I I figured. Uh, Absolutely me. All right, well, look. It wasn't TCU. Let's be fair. I'm I'm sick of the horned frauds. They're – they were not one of the 10 best teams in the country this year. I know they won those games. If you run back this season, they lose five. You just, they just do. Um, you know, now, 
You can say that about a lot of teams. Um, I, I can't put Alabama there uh, because I would have to put Tennessee ahead of Alabama. I can't put Michigan there because Michigan lost to TCU in a game where they should have won. They dominated the game. Ohio State played Georgia to what? One point? So right. I'll put Ohio State as number two. You know, I tend to lean that way also to the Buckeyes as the true second best team in the country. But, you know, if the old argument is, well, you know, transitive property, this team beat that team. Yeah. Ohio State looked the worst they looked all year against at home against Michigan. So shouldn't Michigan be considered better than them? I end up coming back around, I think, to just, well, they worked their way to the national championship. They're the second best team. Let it be TCU. Kayla, where are you? I, first of all, I freaking love Nick Saban. He had Bama as the second best team, and I actually agree. So did one other coach. Two people had Bama. Uh, I think Bama should have been in over Ohio State. I said it many times on the show, and I stand with Nick and Bama as the second best team in all of college football. Again, they barely lost to Tennessee. They barely lost to LSU. Both hostile environments on the road. Plus, we saw TCU whoop up on Michigan and Georgia dismantled TCU, and furthermore, Michigan embarrassed Ohio State, which all confirms my argument for Alabama. Uh, I think they could have beaten all three teams ahead of them, aside from Georgia. So I got to go with Alabama. And for what it's worth, four media members had Bama at second best, too. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? Look, if you go with the old run-it-back philosophy or logic that RJ posed, you know, run Alabama's season back and there's a good chance they're undefeated going to the SEC championship game. You know, Uh, that's entirely likely. And who knows what happens if Bama plays Georgia on a neutral field, well, somewhat neutral field uh, in Atlanta this year. That's a great point as well. Um, But (laughs) the look on Saban's face on Monday night when David Pollock (laughs) called Georgia the new premier power in college football, it was that you could hear Simon and Garfunkel, hello, darkness, my old friend. And it was (laughs) that far off 10,000 mile stare for Nick Saban. Uh, You wonder how much long he can do it. You do. You wonder how much long uh, Saban can keep them there in the catbird seat, at least next to Georgia in the SEC and LSU. It looks like already on the comeback up Uh, as much as you hate to see Brian Kelly succeed. That's a hard one to swallow, but Hey, uh, you know, the SEC is always going to be competitive and I wonder how much longer Nick Saban can keep them at the top of things there next to Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. All right, I've mentioned we're less than two months away to Selection Sunday now, 57 days. So we are going to start to pay more attention to college hoops. And that includes, well, some pretty big games this weekend. Um, If you scroll through the slate, there are plenty of big ones. There are a few ranked matchups as well. Plenty to keep an eye on throughout the weekend, uh, mostly Saturday, but a few on Sunday as well. If you just flip on over to Saturday, you get well, you get Miami at NC State. That's a big ACC matchup with the ACC seeing some surprises at the top of the standings right now. K-State, TCU, a ranked matchup in the Big 12. Arkansas, Vandy. Providence visits Creighton uh, in the Big East. There are plenty of games to talk about. Charleston hosts Elon. Oh, there you go. If you're looking for a small school matchup down south, Kansas, Iowa State, Bama, LSU on the hardwood this time. But the one that I am absolutely most looking forward to, guys, I mean, this is this is everything I think they could possibly want 
in Knoxville, number five Tennessee Volunteers facing Kentucky with Calipari and the Cats on the ropes. Tip 12 Eastern on Saturday on ESPN. I don't know if it's a chance to throw the knockout punch because Cal always seems to get back up off the mat. He does. But it certainly feels like if if there's an opportunity for someone to put Kentucky flat on their backs and maybe they don't get up, Tennessee's got it this weekend. I'm excited to see this game because I, I do think you can never leave Kentucky for dead. As much trouble as they've had the last couple of years, I think if there's a moment where they're pushed back up against the wall, they will push Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. So my game I'm most hyped for this weekend in college basketball, Kentucky, Tennessee. RJ, what are you most looking forward to? Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I'm much looking forward to that game as well from, for personal reasons. That's not the one I picked. I don't want to be. I don't want to go down that road again and, and, and inundate you guys with nothing but volunteer mania. Uh, I went <laughs> with the We Hate Chris Beard Bowl. That is the Texas Tech and Texas game. Both schools have Ooh. been screwed over by Chris Beard. One, because he left for Texas, and then the other, because he couldn't keep his hands to himself. Uh, and Chris Beard was fired from Texas. That is a game I am looking forward to. These are really good programs uh, that that are put in, you know, Texas is put in a very un- unenviable position because of their dopey coach uh, who deserved to get fired. And now they're going to, I want to see how they respond to all this. You know, this is, this is their first major game, you know, really, uh, you know, again, that, that since, uh, since he got let go, um, well, I guess they, they played last week, but it was, it was, it's their first like, you know, game against in-state oh, like, like Texas tech, a place that beard was at. I'm looking forward to see how, you know, how they keep their wits about them. I mean, yeah. that they are going to, there's talk of coach Cal coming here, uh, to Austin. There's, mm-hmm. there's talk they're going to ask him and try to get him to go. It's a great job. Where are they going to go? And you don't I'm fascinated. And there's enough money in Austin. You don't have to fight with the AD over getting a new uh, practice facility right. and him not letting you get it. Um, you're right. That's The Big 12 is just murderer's row. They just cannibalize each other every single year. I remember the first time we met, RJ, that I, th- I think was the crux of our conversation was Big 12 basketball and how they just beat the snot out of each other every year. Kayla, uh, what is the hoops game you are most looking forward <clears throat> to this weekend? Well, no shocker here. And I'm glad you brought up Kentucky because the Mizzou Tigers beat them 89-75 in December. Um, I go. am looking to <laughs> number 20, Mizzou. Guys, we're ranked at unranked Florida. And after the beating we took to A&M on Wednesday, we need to get this train back on the tracks and keep our ranking. Thank you very much. The Tigers are 13-3. and three, Gators are 9-7. and seven. Both are 2-2 two and two in conference play, and I need them to make it 3-2 in Gainesville. Um, Mizzou averages 85 a game. Florida puts up 74 Gators are riding a two game winning streak. Like I said, Mizzou is coming off a loss. So this by all accounts has all the makings for a great conference game. All right. I like it. Those are some uh, prime picks for you for college hoops this weekend. You knew Kayla would go with Missouri somehow. You knew, you knew she'd work it in there and props to you. you We're did. You, you, we have to celebrate you, things. You're, you know what? That's a good point. We'll let you have that one. Keeping it real, but also with a ranked team. All right, let's get you our best bets of the weekend. You know what, guys? I'm going to throw it open to anything because college football is out of the way now. Obviously, for those in the, that are in the know, you know, we, we, we tape this show on uh, Friday afternoon. So sometimes the spreads for Saturday's games are not posted yet. So we don't have exact numbers all the time. 
Uh, so it doesn't even have to be college hoops. You know, if you want to dive in on Super Wild Card Weekend, if you got an NBA game, NHL, whatever, guys, let's throw the doors wide open to best bets of the weekend. Kayla, I'll let you start us. So glad you said that because that's exactly where I'm headed. I know this is a college <laughs> show, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to do a basketball pick here. I'm going wild card weekend. Give me the Bills plus 13 and a half. This team is just playing for more of this postseason. They scare the crap out of me for my Chiefs. Um, if we get to that AFC championship game, that'll certainly be interesting. But the Dolphins are going to be without Tua. I think this is going to be an ugly game for the Dolphins uh, in Buffalo this weekend. So I like the Bills to cover at 13 and a half. That is a uh, minus big, 13 and big a half. number. Sorry, I think I said plus. Yeah. No, we, we, yeah, that is a huge number. Skylar Thompson at quarterback. I don't feel very confident at, uh, at Miami keeping it close there either. RJ, what's your best bet of the weekend? All right. Uh, I, how, about, how about a five-team teaser for you? Can oh, I, hit me. How about that one? How about a five-way teaser this wild-card weekend? Uh, tease Cincinnati down to, I guess we got a three. Uh, tease the under to 47 and a half. Tease the Giants to 10, plus 10. Uh, Buffalo down to minus seven and San Francisco to minus, I guess it'd be two and a half. That'll pay you three to one. Woo, Woo baby. I like that. I'm keeping it simple. And it's, I think the one game you may not have mentioned in your five team teaser. As soon as I saw it posted, I knew I was on it. Empty in the old 401k. Don't do that. Uh, gamble responsibly. <laughs> Empty in the old 401k on the Jags on the money line against the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence and that beautiful hair headed to the divisional round. We will do it again next weekend, friends. For RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram, I am Chris Mack, and this has been BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.